This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh and I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing really well, Josh. Uh, I'm doing great. It, it feels now like this preseason has become a season unto itself. It, <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I'm we, really ready. I'm ready for August 13th. Let's do this. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and then the season will be here and gone in 642 very short weeks. I mean, it, just, <laughs> it goes by start, so fast. Doesn't it, it does go by so fast. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, yeah, this is our, our third of our our four part. Uh, preseason extravaganza uh the first episode was kind of our you know feeling everything out second episode 10 tips for fantasy premier league success and uh here in the final two episodes one one this week and one next week uh we're going uh through a we're, we're taking a team by team look at um so the the fpl um you know, sort of all, all the, the players you want to look out for from a fantasy perspective, possibly avoid uh, new signings, things like that, um, to break things up a little bit. So this isn't like a six-hour podcast. We're doing Arsenal through Man City this episode, and then we're going to do Man U through uh, West Ham next week. Yeah, this isn't like the Netflix model, Josh, where we do all the teams and we just drop it all at once and people can binge on 20 Premier League teams. <laughs> no, we true. dole it out 10 teams at a time just to keep people interested. That's true. I guess you could wait a week and then and then you could you could get the five hour block. But I don't also, think even like I don't think I could listen to my own voice for more than about 90 minutes. Well, you said it best when we were prepping for this particular episode. You said this is the one time of the year where we actually have to do research for the podcast right. because uh, during the season, uh, for better or worse, we're making a lot of gut calls. Uh, I mean, you, you can look at, at data as it accumulates through the season. But, uh, yeah, for the, the Middlesbroughs of the world, we do actually have to go onto Wikipedia and find out who some of these cats are. I couldn't believe how fun it was. You know, I, I felt like I really got a t- like a, a mid-season 
like a taste of what it's gonna be like in midseason last night because I mean, it was one a.m. and I'm just I'm, I'm going through different websites and I uh, you know I'm going on Twitter and then I'm on like these you know the local news like you know the Burnley's local newspaper you know to read about some of their players <laughs> and just you know jumping all over the place and it was just like exactly what I'm like in like week thirteen you know when I'm like really into it and just like reading like way too many articles for my one transfer. As, uh, as fans of, of the pod know, I'm a Fulham fan, and uh, even though what he played maybe like 19 games for Fulham, I have never seen Martin Stecklenberg's face as much as I have during the last 24 hours <laughs> during my efforts in research. The Beatles song, I've Just Seen a Face, actually, is about seeing Martin Stecklenberg for the first time. It, I don't know it, if you it know truly that. is. Yeah. Well, I, in, in all my research, I did uncover that fact. It's it's buried in the <laughs> personal info section on his wiki page. <laughs> That's right. You'd think it'd be right at the top, actually. It's such a such a standout anecdote. Josh, before we get into the really nitty-gritty, I know listeners out there like to get a little bit of insight into the process of recording a podcast and how it is that we do things. So this is our third preseason pod. It's the first uh, pod that we're doing where we're uh, looking at each other through Skype video. The first <laughs> one, we, we just did audio. The second one, we were in the same room. And mm-hmm. this one now, because we were talking about it before we started uh, recording, I am now watching the bedroom door behind you, and I am <laughs> waiting for something to jump out of it behind your back and scare you. So if in the it's middle true. of the pod I, I, I yell, it's it's because I'm worried for your life. All right. that's Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Brandon, uh, before we get into our previews, uh, quick note, uh, please, uh, join the Hail Cheater Super League. Uh, unfortunately the head to head league is full, but, um, which filled up a lot faster than I expected. Uh, Huge but, demand. The, but the full league, the, the, the true league is, uh, is still open obviously. And anyone is, is welcome to join, um, at any time now, or even game week 37. I, I you know, I think we will really never is, be at capacity there. Never, <laughs> never hitting capacity. Exactly. One day will our league will be larger than the men and blazers league. And then we'll know we've truly, we've truly made it. No, as there a, will be, there will come a day where our league pod. is larger than the actual FPL league. And we'll have to spin off our own. We'll have to hire some like engineers, I think to build a back end. Yeah. We'll be like sky sports. We'll have our own, our own there you go. spinoff league. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you go to alwayscheating.com, though, you can join You can join the league. There's a code. There's also a code on our uh, Twitter page, which is at Hail Cheaters. Uh, there's also a code on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash alwayscheating. Um, and just because I'm throwing out all this stuff, um, you can also uh, send us an email if you want um, at hailcheaters at gmail.com. Absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And we, you will hear from yourselves throughout this episode of the podcast. So, Brandon, the big news, uh, as we discussed last week, have you decided on your team name? Uh, so you get this idea stuck in your head, right? And and you think, oh, that's a pretty good idea, but let's just put a pin in that. And I, I'm going to wait for a moment of clarity or I'm going to wait for perhaps a better idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know in your heart of hearts that the first idea is generally always the best idea. So mm-hmm. for those who haven't totally caught up on always cheating preseason pods, we are now building this FPL season around the Great British Baking Show. So <laughs> our, our super exclusive head-to-head league is the uh, Always Cheating Showstoppers. Did I get that right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. And Josh, it looks like your team name is going to be Don't Eat That Mary. Uh, That's right. That's right. You imploring famous uh, British baking show Judge Mary Berry to not eat something that is not a good bake. That's right. Something underproved, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, 
And it's official. I'm going to, for the first time in, in more than five seasons, change my name from the BK Broilers to Ian's Ice Cream Cake. <laughs> I, I'm very happy to hear this. I really am. I think it's, I think it's the right move. Uh, but, you know, our, our, we still have our, our plan in place, which is that at week 18, uh, whoever is winning the head-to-head league gets to pick the other person's team name for the second half of the season. Now it may be that I just call you the you know Brandon Kelly's technical challenge, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> or you just or you just call me uh, the uh, well like I can't I was trying to think of how much more of an insult you could call me than Ian's melting ice cream cake that he actually throws into a trash bin. Uh, that's pretty low. I don't know if yeah. you could, could come up with anything lower than that. Maybe you could call me. Uh, uh, is it Paul Hollywood? Who's the other judge? It is Paul Hollywood. Yes. You could call me like Paul Hollywood's goatee or something like that. <laughs> that would be pretty humiliating. Yeah. Well, Brandon, we have a lot to think about team name wise. I, I have 18 long weeks to, to think this through, uh, plus probably like six international breaks because they're always they, they stagger. Have, the, yeah. it's, it's so front loaded, the international breaks. It's like two games and then an international break. Yeah, uh, the, your, your energies are always divided here 50 50 between picking your first initial draft and picking your team name. And uh, I do res- reserve the right to change my name before week 18 when I have uh, lost like five head to heads in a row. Uh, just one final note, Brandon, uh, for anybody who uh, needs a little more um, English Premier League content in their life, uh, we were on a podcast called Across the Pond earlier this week, and uh, we talked about um, sort of you know, fantasy sleepers and, and uh, you know, must-own players and keepers of targets and things like that. It's sort of like the essence of our podcast in a 10-minute form. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, they're they're great guys at Across the Across the pond, you can find them at ATP Radio. Uh, so check the, check out their most recent episode where you can get the concentrated form of Josh and Brandon. Pure Josh and Brandon, pure uncut Josh pure and Brandon, uncut. not stepped on at all. <laughs> uh, all right, Brandon, uh, shall we get right to it? Yeah. So we kind of took these teams alphabetical order. Uh, the confusing thing we had to figure out first and foremost was uh, how come Bournemouth gets top billing. Uh, on the Premier League's website, and we we suddenly realized uh, because they're alphabetized by AFC, AFC Bournemouth, uh, but not here on Always Cheating. Uh, <laughs> Bournemouth will play second fiddle to Arsenal. So, Josh, um, you're the resident Arsenal fan. Uh, you're the one with all the answers, I'm sure. Um, Granite Xhaka, are, are we going to hear it all from him this season? Is that a legitimate uh uh, marquee signing for the Gunners. Well, I think it's a, it's a legitimate marquee signing in terms of what it does. You know, you know, sort of. I mean, he's going to be playing in front of the back line, so I, I think he's. It, it will make them more defensively solid, uh, which is really saying something because they were actually they were pretty defensively solid last year, uh, but they should be even stronger now. Um, I don't rate him as a fantasy asset. Um, right. Uh, he was kind of. I mean, he was kind of marauding around in the. I, I did watch the Arsenal MLS All Star Game last week. Uh, and he had a couple of goes at goal, but I, I really don't think he's anybody um, 
they need your five point five million. We better spend elsewhere. Um, the only other player that they picked up so far, um, well, they they picked up this uh, Japanese striker who's not going to be joining the team this year. Uh, they did pick up uh, Rob Holding. Who did he show up with a broken back at training or something <laughs> like that? No, no, Kim Kallstrom's uh, so far. Uh, Rob Holding, who's a four point five million midfielder, uh, not likely to factor. Um, you know, kind of a Callum Chambers type uh, central defender uh, might get in if there are some injuries. So. Because it's Arsenal, he definitely will get in at some point, uh, but not likely to play for more than you know a handful of fixtures at a time. So, um, you know that's kind of where we are right now as an Arsenal fan. They have okay. a couple a couple hundred million dollars uh, in the bank uh, waiting to be spent, but Just burning um, a hole in their pocket. But Arsene Arsene Wenger doesn't believe in spending too much money on players, so they've decided not to um, compete for the title this year, which is you know a little frustrating. But that's. No, I, I, I kid. I, but so I almost, almost despite themselves, they finished in second place last year, and uh, they've, they've really haven't signed anybody over the summer. As a fantasy manager, what has changed? Uh, like last year, Mesut Ozil was uh, one of the must-haves in the game. Uh, you, you were, you needed to have at least one Arsenal defender, uh, probably Bellerin or Check and Goal. What's changed? How are how are you feeling out this team now going into the new season? It's a little tricky, I think. Uh, Bellerin is, you know, complete stud as a fantasy player, uh, and you know, unfortunately, this year he's rated appropriately. Uh, he starts the year at six point five million. Uh, the uh, most expensive any goalkeeper is in the Premier League this season. Uh, you had one goal, six assists, 18 clean sheets, and 18 bonus points last season. So uh, uh, really, like, uh, incredible returns. You know, I mean, He had only, a little only, bit of a slow late, start, too. A um, l- little bit of a slow start, um, as did that team. Uh, but, you know, really, really came out in the second half of the season. Um, was never rested, either, which was a little bit surprising. I mean, considering that they actually have a little bit of depth on the right. Uh, so... You know, the question is whether you're willing to pay 6.5 million for for Bellerin, uh, whether you want to spend, you know, six million for Koscielny, who's going to get you, you know, almost almost there. You know, he had four goals, 15 clean sheets, and 18 bonus points last year, uh, but saves you, you know, 0.5 million. Uh, I am not. I'm not as excited about Gabriel as some people are, mostly because I still feel confident that Arsenal is going to bring in another central defender. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably going to be Mustafi, uh, who's a, a central defender at Valencia, plays for the German national team. Um, and they're just kind of playing a little like back and forth right now with Valencia in terms of, uh, uh, you know, uh, how much they're going to bid. But I, I, I do think that will eventually go through. Apparently, he's got it, Well, but I think the key word is eventually, though. I mean, it, you wouldn't be totally out of line to start the season with Gabriel. I mean, even if they brought a new central defender in this week, they maybe they wouldn't fit into the system for game week one. Gab, well, you at least get one or two starts out of Gabriel, and then you can switch him to somebody else when you see what form is happening. Yeah, but what are you getting for those? For those, I mean, the first start is is Liverpool at home. Second start is Leicester away. Third start is Watford away, which you know is a possible clean sheet opportunity, but it's not phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and then they play Southampton, followed by Hull away, where they could definitely concede a goal. Uh, and then they have Chelsea at home in game week six. So. I'm not really inclined to have any Arsenal defenders to start the season. Uh, I'm certain that I will uh, probably by the time you know my my wild card is played. Sure, uh, but I mean that is not a great start. And, and yeah. given given that they're going to be on the back foot to begin with, 
Um, because even if they bring in new, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound overly negative. I mean, I really am an Arsenal fan. I love the club, uh, but it's been a very frustrating offseason for for all no, Arsenal it, fans. All all Arsenal fans, the only tone they take is negative. So you fit right in. <laughs> it's true. I know, which is like our own kind of annoying trait uh, as Arsenal fans. Uh, right, let's, so, let's talk about some highlights, though. Okay, so okay, so we yeah, defense okay, aside, right? The highlights I think are always the Arsenal midfield, right? So Ozil, Ozil. Uh, feels like kind of a sure thing in terms of uh, of who you want. But Sanchez, he had a slow start last season. He's coming off of another Copa America. Uh, that's a lot of money wrapped up in Sanchez at 11.0. He has, he has been rested. Uh, he has rejoined the team now. So I think that, but he's got a bit of an, I think he has an ankle injury, right? Didn't he injure himself a little bit in the Copa America? That's true. Final? Yeah, he had an issue in the final match. So he's he's going to be coming back slowly. Uh, Mesut Ozil, I think, is is just rejoining the team this week. Um, you know, after after playing for Germany in the Euro Cup. Uh, so, I mean, really, the whole I saw club... he showed up in a polo shirt at the MLS All Star <laughs> Game. So at least he was present. He was yeah. He's working on his team patter, even sure. though he's not playing. Drew is the same way. I mean, really, I, I, I just, I wouldn't advise start. I, I certainly would advise loading your team up with Arsenal players right now. I mean, I, I understand if you want to bring in, you know, Bellerin, just because, you know, if anyone's going to pick up some attacking points in that defense, he's probably the one to do it. Uh, you know, Peter Check is. I mean, I guess if you want, like, just a, you know, if, if you for some reason don't want to have uh, David De Gea. Um, you know, if you want an expensive goalkeeper, like a really solid one, you don't want De Gea. I think maybe because you've got Luke Shaw or something. Uh, I could see bringing in um, Peter Check and just dropping him in. You know, dropping him in and then and then waiting until you know game week three or whatever to to really start using him. Um, which actually wouldn't be a bad strategy if you could bring in you know like um, you know Mandanda or somebody like somebody who's got two good fixtures to start the season and then and then you roll right. out Check in game week three. Right. Um, but you know, I think, um, Ozil, uh, Sanchez, uh, I, I'd, I'd be waiting on those guys right now. Uh, the, the one sleeper that I would pick is, um, the Ox, uh, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, uh, who's looked great in the preseason and he's available for six, six million, uh, which is a slot that a lot of people are looking at right now. And mm-hmm. there's, it's, a, like there's a, a lot. it's like a third tier slot there. It is. Yeah, exactly. Approaching fourth tier. Approaching right in the, right in the cuts, depending on how you've built your team. Yeah. Um, so you don't need great returns from him, but you know he's probably not going to be starting game week in and game week out. So it's uh, it's a bit risky, but if you want a bit of a punt on this team, I think he's the one to go with. Well, since their Arsenal's preseason was effectively the Chuba Akpom uh, sizzle reel, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how much we can take away from those uh, preseason results, right? Yeah, exactly, and, and 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 so much of it feels like it's still in the air because we you know we don't know if they're going to get Lacazette, if they're going to get maybe Julian Drexler now, if you know if Riyad Mahrez is going to join the squad. I mean, this Arsenal team could look very. I mean, you know, we saw uh, you know was it it was I guess it was was it two or three seasons ago when they added Mesut Ozil, uh, and it absolutely fired up the team. You know, I mean that was the, that was the year they were in first place until uh, you know game week twenty eight or, or thirty or whatever it was. So. Uh, you know, if they bring in Mares or even Drexler, for that matter, is you know great player. Um, I think he could really um, you know invigorate the squad. You know, because I, I just wonder if some of those players kind of feel like, well, what what's the future here? You know, like what's like do I like you know someone like Alexis Sanchez or I mean they must think to themselves like do I want to stay at this club? Yeah, you know, if, right. and if they're not committed to to challenging for for titles and you know even are they are they winners? 
or are they losers? <laughs> uh, all right. So let's let's hope that, you know, they make a couple transfers and, and come around up. But I, I don't think it's a great start for them. And I, I really wouldn't uh, advise uh, investing too heavily in Arsenal until um, until these first uh, six fixtures are, are through. How far we've come since the start of last season when we all had Theo Walcott captained. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> all right, Brandon. That brings us to... Uh, that was actually pretty good. We like. I feel like we moved that pretty fast. That was, I agree. That was not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that brings us to uh, to Bournemouth, a uh, team that I really enjoy, uh, as as is everybody. I think. Uh, finished How can us- you not? They have the smallest <laughs> smallest stadium in the entire league. Uh, first season in their in the Premier League last year. Uh, fantastic club. Yeah, they finished sixteenth, but the, the season was never really in doubt. I don't think. I mean, I I felt like. You know, maybe they dropped some points at the end there, but they were they were they were pretty much always safe. I totally agree. When I was looking at last season's table just to see where these teams had finished, sixteenth uh, for Bournemouth. It's strange to think about because you're right. It, it seems like any time I was watching Bournemouth, they were winning the game. Uh, they were winning whatever game they were playing. Some some defender. It was like every game like a new defender was was scoring goals. Uh, it wasn't just Charlie Daniels. It was like a, uh, somehow, like all of them, like everybody got one last year. Even, even Simon Francis, who um, I, I I had him on my bench forever, and toward the end of the season, he still didn't score a goal, but uh, he managed to start getting some assists at the end of the season. So yeah, yeah, game week thirty three, if I recall. <laughs> Uh, all right, so they brought in quite a few players. Uh, when, you want to talk a little bit about who they brought in, and if there are any anybody to keep an eye out for, or yeah, I mean, they, they bring in to start the season. They actually had a pretty active summer, and uh, the two guys that I'm particularly interested in looking at my squad: Nathan Ake, who is part of the school of uh, perpetual Chelsea loanees. Uh, <laughs> you'll re- you'll remember him and his uh, his uh, his dread sort of sort of dreadlocks from Watford last season and he was a regular starter for them and he even scored a goal for Watford he's coming into Bournemouth and he's priced at 4.5 it's unclear from their preseason lineups uh, what the rotation is going to be like and somebody will have to make way if Ake is going to be a regular starter but uh, he's class you think they'd bring him in for uh, for his top tier experience and then uh, Jordan Ibe, who's kind of a dark horse, but, uh, you know, his time at Liverpool uh, had ups and downs. But I do see him as uh, Nathan Redman, sort of a player who's at Southampton now. He's a guy in, in the midfield who now, if the Bournemouth system will fit around him, which it seems like it does, judging by the preseason, he already has two goals under his belt. He'll be a regular starter, and he'll be getting shots on goal and uh, posting assists. 5.5, like we were talking about that uh, three- to four-tier midfield slot. Uh, I do like Jordan Ibe. I have a confession to make, Brandon. Jordan Ibe is currently in my fantasy team. Wow, we're like Eskimo brothers with Jordan (laughs) Ibe because he's in my squad, too. I don't know. I just, I, mean, think he, I just think he's great value. I mean, yeah. five point five. Uh, you know, they, they need some creative playmakers in that team. Now he's got great speed. I mean, he looked really good at times last year for Liverpool. Uh, and, he he uh, looked yeah, really it, bad at times too. He, he did. Well, well, <laughs> not bad, but but pop ponderous, I suppose. Yeah, maybe not a great fit for that squad. Um, just given. I don't know if that was really what his. I don't really, you know, the Liverpool squad is. We'll get to that in a little bit. It's, it's, yeah, it's right. complicated. It was a it was a team in uh, in transition last year. 
another transfer that caught my eye, and I don't think he comes into play at all uh, for FPL manager, is a 5.5 striker, Lise Mousset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to mention him because he played under Bob Bradley, great American manager at La Harve in League Two, League oh, Two awesome. last yeah. season. So uh, he's 20 years old, and he scored 14 goals for La Harve last season, and they like came. I think one or two goals away from getting promoted to Ligue 1. Um, anyway, there's going to be a pretty tough rotation up front for Bournemouth, I suspect, because Callum Wilson has uh, been playing in the preseason. He's got a goal. Also, Banika Fobe and, uh, and Grabon. So does Callum Wilson also- interest you at all? I mean, Callum Wilson was sort of the, the cheap striker du jour, maybe the first you know, four or five game weeks last season, uh, you know, had that ACL injury and then that was kind of it for him. I, I don't know. I, I think that there are so many options at that six to 6.5 price range. I, I couldn't even tell you who's going to start for this Bournemouth squad in game week one. And it feels like a little bit of a risk when you could find other guys like we'll, we'll get to Andre Gray later. I'm sure that feel nailed on and, uh, or frankly, are a little more exciting. Like Callum Wilson, we've been there, we've done that. <laughs> well, the thing is, I I have a lot of faith in in their manager, and I I do, I do feel like Eddie Howe is going to find they they played such a positive style last season, and I, I whoever their sort of go to player is going to be this season, whether it's Jordan Ibe or Callum Wilson or or your your beloved Lise Mousset. Um, it's going to uh, what a beautiful name, Lise Mousset. It is, it is, a, it is a beautiful. It, it sounds like Keskese. Um it's a, it's a beautiful name, <laughs> uh, and you know whoever they are, they're going to be a great value because um, uh, you know because no, I don't think anyone in this team costs more than six million, and most of them are, are even cheaper than that. Uh, what do their fixtures look like to start the season? Well, it, it is a little tough. Uh, right out of the gate, they're, they host Man United, but then they're away to West Ham and Crystal Palace, both teams that have been building like mad over the summer, and all three of them. Uh, those are going to be tough. And then they're home to West Brom where things, you know, maybe maybe things will be a little brighter. But then you follow that with Manchester City away. Uh, you really have to wait until game week six or seven when they are, are uh, at Watford and Hull where things start to loosen up for them. So I feel like if you're if you're going to go in on a guy like Jordan Ibe or even bring in a Bournemouth defender, you've got to be prepared to be in it for the long haul. Okay. Yep. That that does make sense. And and given these prices, I mean these are these are going to be fourth and fifth midfielders. You know. Fourth and fifth uh, defenders. Um, yeah, Kellen Wilson is something I'm interested in, but probably not not a third striker I want this early in the season. I think um, uh, as as we'll get to actually with Burnley, I think that there are there are better options in that in that uh, third striker spot. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Okay, so you you brought him up, Burnley. I mean, let's do it. Our first uh, promoted <laughs> team feature of this episode. So Burnley, they they won the championship last season on like. Crazy, sexy, attacking football. Sean Dyche has survived the gauntlet, and he comes back to the Premier League. Uh, how are you feeling about their chances staying up? Uh, not very good, to be totally honest. Not quite as I don't. I don't feel quite as bad as I feel about Hull's chances of staying up. Uh, but I do think they need to get a little bit stronger. I mean, Sean Dyche was was commenting. He was basically opening, like openly, openly questioning uh, what was going on with. Uh, 
with senior management and why they weren't able to make any deals happen. And you know, you know when that happens, like when the manager is basically openly openly criticizing, uh, you know, his bosses that that things are not progressing as smoothly as he would like. So um, you know, and, and it is tough. I mean, the money is is pretty crazy, but they have to they had to figure it out. And you know, they did last year. You know, with Andre right. Gray. Uh, so let's yeah, I'll get right to Andre Gray. Uh, they bought him for um, from Brentford last season. It was for a, for a club record six million pound deal, and uh, every, no one no one can believe they're they're splashing that kind of cash around. Uh, I, I mean, how much did they get for Danny Ings? I mean, obviously you have to spend that money in multiple places. You're not just throwing it all at Andre Gray, but. Got something like seven point five billion for Ings last season. Okay, so, okay. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a you know, like for like swap. Yeah, there like in a for way. like slot there exactly. Uh, so he had uh, forty one starts last season, uh, twenty three goals, eight assists, top scoring the championship. Uh, and as uh, anyone who is nerdy enough to follow FPL Twitter knows, uh, he has been on molten fire in the preseason. I think he has eight goals in four games or something like that. Uh, he's been he's been now. Granted, he's beating teams like. Glasgow Rangers, you know, so I'm going to be in Scotland in uh, a little over a week, Josh, you have to watch, watch the (laughs) rhetoric here on on the spot. Uh, No, no, no disrespect to Rangers who, who are finally back in the championship after I I think four seasons in the lower division, the, 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 the Scottish premier division. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're finally back in the, in the top division, which was actually pretty fun. Like it'll be fun to watch some, uh, some uh, Rangers uh, Celtic derbies this season. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, they, they, you know, so, so Gray's look fantastic. Um, and he's really kind of emerged as, okay. So I know that, um, is there anybody else? I mean, you haven't heard anyone talk about a single other player on this team. Are they Burnley is clearly going to be this team. Uh, I guess it what was the team last year that tried to, well, Bournemouth tried to do this. They just stayed up, uh, on their own grit. They didn't sign anybody of note and they managed to do it. They, they did manage to do it. Now, we, we know for a fact that Burnley didn't manage to do it when they were up two years ago. <laughs> I guess they did take yeah. the same tactic when they were last promoted. They didn't sign anybody, and it just sort of flamed out for them. To, to go back to Gray just for one second, I, you know, really I'm starting to, to come around on him. I, I, I don't want to make the mistake that I actually we talked about in the last podcast, which is which is wanting to, to have a differential early on in the season. I, I was starting to feel like everyone was talking about Andre Gray. Gray was – Probably in seventy five percent of all teams, like he was, he was this this ballyhooed at you know the six point five million third striker. He's selected by eleven percent of all teams. He, this guy is not explosively owned. Uh, he's going to be great value for him to bring him in, you know, to start the season. Now the the start that Burnley has is it's it's okay. It's not you know it's it's kind of um, uh, they're home to Swansea, which is a great fixture to start. But patchy, then it's patchy. Yeah, they're home to Liverpool, which is actually probably fine if Liverpool's defense looks anything like it does last season. Uh, but then they they play uh, you know Chelsea and Leicester away in uh, two of the next three fixtures, Hull at home. But three of those four fixtures, the dope of the season, Swansea, Liverpool, and Hull, all pretty solid. All all fixtures I would start Andre Gray in. So uh, I'm definitely leaning towards him. And you know, assuming that I play an early wild card, which I, I hope I don't, but probably will. Um, you know, maybe it makes sense to to, to have him on your team to start the season. Yeah. All right. So, anything else we need to know about Burnley? Like, and their defense. Their guy, the guy who I had from their defense two seasons ago, who wore like that carpal tunnel wrist guard, uh, uh-huh. and he was about forty-five years old. 
I'm blanking on his name, but he's no longer on the team. So I don't know who to pick up on their defense. Uh, yeah, Tom. Well, Tom Heaton is the one player that I that I actually I actually currently have him in my team as my as my second uh, keeper. Uh, 4.5 million. He's the team captain. So you know he's going to start every game week. I uh, had 20 clean sheets last season, and um, the uh, Burnley actually ranked um, second only to Middlesbrough last year in terms of. Um, uh, how, how their defense was ranked. Uh, they only allowed uh, 35 goals and they kept 20 clean sheets over the season. So, uh, you know, actually like pretty solid, especially for uh, the championship where, you know, they just like pack those games in, you know, yeah. often you have like three games in eight days or whatever. So, it's like a, uh, it's major league baseball here in America. We have uh, double headers to championship. <laughs> they basically play one game in the morning and one game in the evening. And yeah, exactly. Do that so for I, 48 I, weeks. I don't. I don't want to. You know, Burnley is not a team that I'm that excited about outside of Gray and Heaton. <laughs> okay. uh, one one player to keep an eye out is Michael Keane, uh, who's a uh, five million defender. Um, little expensive for a Burnley defender, probably too expensive. Uh, but he's a uh, he's former Man U. Um, he's part of the Man U system. Uh, has is he uh, part of the Keane family? <laughs> the legendary uh, Robbie and Roy Keane family. Not not part of that family, but okay. he. Uh, he did but he is a part of some Keane family. One hopes. Maybe, yeah, who knows? Maybe he changed his name. <laughs> he started prices five million. He had five goals and one assist last season. Uh, probably too expensive to take at the start, but maybe he's someone you want to keep an eye on if he if he ends up having a Charlie Daniels type season like Daniels right. did with uh, with Bournemouth last season. Right. All right. Well, Burnley, uh, the the jury is out. Clearly, <laughs> sounds like they'll be out for a while. Burnley, it's been real. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Stay right, cool, next, Burnley. We're on to uh, club number four, which is uh, Chelsea. Uh, it is still bizarre, Brandon, to see that they finished tenth last season. I can't oh, believe it. I mean, uh, talent. It's actually a miracle for them, uh, judging by their form, well into the season that they finished in the top half. So that was that was a small victory for them. Came, came on late, uh, ruined Tottenham season. You know, they had they had some fun. <laughs> um, so so who, I who's in I have. I have a I have a major sort of logic problem to solve with Chelsea because so uh, Antonio Conte is their new manager and we all marveled at Italy's performance to a point in the Euros and it was classic Italy Conte gets that sort of super hyper organized defensive um, tactical strategy. But then you look at Chelsea's defense and you're thinking, oh, my God, John Terry has started every single one of their preseason games wearing the armband like they uh, they seemed like a team that needed to build their defense beyond the signing of Matt Miazga from New York Red Bulls. Mm -hmm. So I want to believe one would have thought that would be enough. Yeah, right. I thought that would do it. I thought they'd be good. <laughs> Our friend Tim Shaw surely thought that would have been enough. But uh, so I want to believe that Chelsea is going to have a watertight defense. But um, I, I feel like I'm going to need some proof given um, that they haven't really signed anybody. I mean, the one the one curious defender I see with Chelsea is this guy. His name is uh, Aina. Uh, and he is not a new signing, but he, he's come up through the ranks and he's been starting in place of Ivanovic in a couple of preseason matches. Ivanovic now has some kind of shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it's a pretty solid starting four of Terry Cahill, Aina and Cesar Aspilicueta. So we'll see if that holds. And, and if so, um, Aina is priced, I think, at 5.0. 
um, could be an interesting target for for your back line. What do you think about Eden Hazard? How are you feeling about him? Oh, I have a note here. It says uh, it's Hazard's team. It's Hazard's <laughs> team now. I mean, it it's kind of been Hazard's team for the last couple of years, despite the fact that Hazard didn't even show up last season. Mm-hmm. But um, I just have this feeling that he's back, and he scored a brace against Real Madrid the other night in the dying embers of the game. He scored in the 81st, 80th minute, and then the 91st minute, I think it was. Uh, And looking at him perform in the Euros, he seemed to have that spark back, and they're under a new manager, I mean, a new proper manager in Conte. The context of that brace is is worth noting, though. I mean, they were... They were playing Real Madrid. It was it was a it was three an, not the, it was it was a, you know it was part of the International Champions Cup, which they play all over America that no one no one in America cares about. Uh, and uh, they they you know I think Real Madrid was up three nothing, uh, and he scored two goals, kind of when no one was paying attention. So okay, I mean I I don't want to argue your point because I think it's true. It's an exhibition match. You don't want to read wildly into it, and he's ten point oh, so you don't want to make a gut call just on that. However, these are both professional football teams real madrid uh champions league uh title holders at the moment a guy comes in and scores two goals in 10 minutes he's got to be pretty fired up to do that it's not like a harlem globetrotters game or something like that (laughs) fair enough i mean hazard is a great player but he's a great player who we have to have some pretty serious doubts about at this point i i'm actually shocked that his price is so high. i'm shocked and a little bit frustrated because i think that at ten million, I just given what I went through last year with Hazard, given what so many of us manager we, we managers went through last year with Hazard, it's it's very hard to take that big of a punt on him. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I know that Alexis Sanchez is equally as expensive, but you know, he was a more consistent performer last season, to be sure. Well, Sanchez is even more, right? Isn't he he's priced even, at eleven? He's even more, but I mean, just in that in that premium premium bracket, you know, when you when you when you can get. Riyad Mahrez for nine point five, and you can get, uh, you know, Mkhitaryan for nine point five. It's very, it's very hard for me to justify bringing in, um, bringing in um, Hazard, even though I kind of want to. To be, I mean, you could bring in uh, Mesut Ozil for nine point five. Yeah, it's true, or or Anthony Martial. Um, right, but we'll save that Martial talk for the next episode. Yeah. I, I just have this feeling about Hazard, and it maybe it's colored by the fact that I didn't have Hazard in my team at all last season and I didn't feel so burned by him. So I'm feeling uh, pretty rosy about his outlook. I know that, uh, you know, Chelsea is committed to playing a four, four, two this season. Do you have any thoughts on that? Shall we? Oh, well, speaking of Belgium and Hazard, uh, you'll all remember, but their new signing, their new striker uh, for the, I think it was the fourth goal they scored against Hungary, against the uh, sweatpant, great sweatpants <laughs> wearing 60 year old man that Hungary had in goal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, just like phenomenal. So uh, he it was actually, it was Pushkas. He was in goal. <laughs> But Shawi is interesting, uh, not for the fact that he will be the most fun name to say throughout the season, mm-hmm. but um, he's I was 22. A little, I was a little nervous even just saying his name there. <laughs> I, I looked up the YouTube clip before uh, before we set up to pod just to make sure I had some idea of how to say it. I'm still I'm probably still not saying it correctly. But uh, anyway, that ball uh, that Bashawi put put past the uh, Hungarian keeper was served to him by Hazard. So there you go. That pr- the proof is in the pudding right there. But Bashawi, he's 22 years old. 
He scored 17 goals for Marseille last season. So I feel like he's getting to that point where he's past taking a flyer on a young striker. He's proven himself in a top-flight European league. I mean, he played He played alongside Dimitri Payet the season before, before Payet came over to West Ham, and he scored nine seasons then. So he wasn't just sort of a one-season wonder. If, if he were $8 million or $7.5 million or even 8.5 i feel like i would be all over this guy and 9 million is just like a little eye-watering for a player at that you know at that age you know brand new to the league it's it's a little it's a little hard to pull up especially when you can get uh i believe you can get um um uh, the other striker his name is escaping diego costa yeah you can get, I, yeah i think he's 9.5 Okay, so almost the same price. I mean, I, you know, it's a five, five million yeah. saving, but you're getting a little more, you know, a little more, um, you know, reliable goal scorer. Say what you will about Diego Costa. Yeah, I want to know what the FPL price strategists know about Batshuayi that we we don't know. Pricing him at 9.0 is just, it's so confusing. It's a like, little surprising. I know. I mean, they, they really, transfers almost never get a break. I mean, I remember... Uh, you know when when KDB came in last year for Man City, you know, he started at ten point five million, and uh, you know he had a great season. But even still, what did he have a ten point five million season? I mean, it was yeah, a, a, a mid a mid season injury. I think really killed yeah, him that, in that's terms true. of the FPL. That's, that's certainly certainly explosive at times. But you know, um, the son at Tottenham uh, should have been seven point five million probably. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, started out at nine, which made him pretty much unownable the whole season. Yeah, uh, his lack of uh, goals was also a factor in him being unownable. But <laughs> <laughs> there's all there's also all this weird uh, online turmoil surrounding Diego Costa and Conte. As says, like every eight hours, Costa wants to stay at Chelsea. He's not leaving. Which uh, I I don't know if that lends any credence to these Lukaku rumors, which I I frankly think are. I just don't see that it's happening. Like, it feels like the same kind of wishful thinking that people are using to think that Boney is going to go back to to uh, Swansea. I just I just yeah. don't see it happening. Yeah. Uh, so, what about but, okay. oh, yeah? Beshwai is just he, it's a it's sadly a wait and see. He seems exciting, but at that price, we have to be assured of his starting spot. I I think that's fair, um, Brandon. Uh, we have a, a question here from uh, from Mahesh on our Facebook page. Uh, he says, uh, Chelsea, uh, with, with Conte and Montage now there to do the dirty work, uh, could it mean that Fabregas could be the steal of the season at 7.5? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. I think Fabregas would probably be itching to play a little further up front, but uh, with each season, unless you forget, Fabregas gets older and, and older. He's, he's not the spry young Arsenal uh, midfielder who we once knew and loved. And loved. I mean, yeah, or the, I, the Barcelona false nine of, of, of only like three or four seasons ago, but it feels like it was absolute eternity. I think I, I think you and I might be in the same boat here and thinking that centrally Willian is sort of ripe to be playing a, a more integral role than yes. Fabregas at this point. I think by the time the season starts, I will have William on my team at 7.5 million. It's going to be right at the front of the attack. I mean, unless we have any reason to think that he's not going to, not going to be start, uh, not, not going to start. I, I, I yeah. do think that he's, yeah, he seems like the, 
He's the one that I'm really uh, leaning towards right now. Yeah, I like Conte as a signing for Chelsea, and I think uh, the problem they had with Matic last year was he was just he was just too slow on the ball, and they were really ponderous in the midfield. And Conte will move it a little faster, and I do think offensively they will benefit from that. Fabregas will probably. Um, I mean, he, he. I don't see how he couldn't get the same score, if not a little bit higher, in FPL than he got last season. But yeah, William seems to be the way to go. I think. I, I, Conte, just, Conte's Conte's ownership scares me. Um, it, it, he's you know he's up to twenty three percent ownership right now. It, it doesn't scare me because I'm worried about his attacking returns. It scares me because I feel like if I had him on my team. When people do that, play that first wild card. He's gonna be one of the. We talked about this last, you know, last week's episode. He's gonna be one of the first people to go off that team, right? Because he'll have done yep. nothing in the first three or four weeks, right? Um, and uh, that price is gonna drop from five million to four point six million or something. Yeah, it's, like if you want content in your team, you might as well wait until game week five or something because you're gonna be able to get him for cheaper. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, best to stay away. But Chelsea's uh, opening fixtures are are fairly enticing. I mean, they they host West Ham in game week one, and then they're Watford, Burnley, Swansea. Uh, then it gets dicey with Liverpool and Arsenal. But those are uh, those two, three, four game weeks: Watford, Burnley, Swansea. You you could expect to see them uh, post some serious points there. I think so, so too, and I mean, I mean, obviously, it's a new manager, and it's it's hard. You don't want to overload your team with Chelsea players right now, but yeah, I really feel like it's even taking a flyer on Bacchawi might be worth it. I mean, I'd rather have him than than Olivier Giroud to start the season. You know who's getting a lot of love in the preseason is uh, uh, FPL manager's old friend Victor Moses. So <laughs> there's no there's no way old old Vicky Moses is playing at all. Price to price to sell at five point five. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Can't you see that connection? Where is he going to play? Is he going to displace William or something? (laughs) Moses on the left, uh, (laughs) a cheeky little ball under Ruben Loftus cheek. Mm -hmm. And uh, I see that. I see that producing at least 25 goals this season, Josh. (laughs) Quarter century club. Uh, (laughs) Moses to Ruby cheek. All right. So that's that's uh, we've we've covered Chelsea. There's uh, I think they're pretty exciting going into game week one uh, with still just a handful of unknowns. But uh, speaking of also being very busy in the summer, Crystal Palace, uh, who nearly failed to win a single game in the 2016 calendar year. Suddenly there's all of this juice and excitement surrounding Pardue and the squad coming into the new season. You, I feel like you're feeling bullish about them, too. Well, I'm feeling bullish about the defense. I, I wouldn't say that I'm feeling very bullish about the attack. Um, yeah, uh, Steve Mandana, who I've talked about in earlier episodes of the podcast, uh, 4.5 million goalkeeper. Uh, I think he's a dead certainty to start um, from game week one, even though he's just joined the team. Um, and uh, rock solid defense. Um, defense is not exactly cheap. Um, and it's. Yeah, I feel like it's just a little too rich for my blood. Uh, Papa Suare is the one uh, player that I'm interested in. Uh, he's a 4.5 million. Def- I mean, if, if I, I, I probably won't double up with Mandanda and Suare. So if I don't go Mandanda, uh, I probably would want to start with. Uh, I, I do plan to spend the season with a, with a Crystal Palace defender, though. Do you think uh, that James Tompkins, their new signing, any danger of Suare getting bumped out of the lineup in favor yeah. of Tompkins? Uh, well, a little, a little bit, but I, I actually think that uh, I think it'll be Tompkins. Tompkins, Ward, well, yeah, maybe you're right, actually. That's interesting. You got me thinking now. Although there's <laughs> it's, some talk it, it, it's similar to the Bournemouth situation where, like, Ake coming in and Ake is, 
they now have like five to six quality Premier League defenders, and it's tough to say how it's going to shake out. I think you got the same issue with Crystal Palace. Yeah, you may. I mean, I guess you could just pony up the five point five million and, and start with the season with Scott Dan. It's a lot of money for a Crystal Palace defender, but the guy delivers. You know, five goals, two assists last season, eleven bonus points. Uh, in the fixture list to start the season for Crystal Palace, West Brom at home. It's to die for. It's yeah. Outside of Spurs away in game week two, home to Bournemouth, away to Middlesbrough, home to Stoke, away to Sunderland. Uh, I mean, there could be three or four clean sheets uh, in the first six weeks of the season for them. So uh, I highly recommend starting with a Crystal Palace defender. I think that we'll hopefully know more as the as we get closer to the season what this starting lineup is going to look like. Uh, there is some talk that. Um, you know, the, the Dan may end up getting moved. Um, I had heard some talk that Dan uh, may go to Arsenal, which which I find a little hard to believe. But, um, uh-huh. you That's know, some like, agent's dirty work right there. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, maybe we could get a little bit more. Uh, Tompkins, Ward, and Delaney, as, as we talked about earlier, they're all five million defenders. I, I don't really know how you could separate them statistically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, Delaney's... Uh, beard, beard length, I think, you have to go with on that one. Ward's stats seem a little worse at first glance, but he was also injured for a big part of last season. He was a goal-scoring machine at the start of the season. Somehow he would end up in the six-yard box uh, at the end of every game. Now, I think that Joel Ward can play more advanced. It's sort of an Eric Dyer role where he's sort of a sort of a defensive midfielder type, and I think maybe that's what they'll end up doing. And Because I thought that Tompkins was a central defender. Am I, am I mistaken in that? I uh, I think you're right. Yeah, I think at West Ham it it wouldn't be him out on the wings. Yeah, he so he I, I looks like I mean I'm on his Wikipedia page now, so like that shows what I what a huge fan of Tom be, Pan. Be behind the curtain. <laughs> they list him as a center back and a right back. So maybe so maybe you can play Tompkins Soiree. Uh, you know, it's it's a tricky one. Maybe we need like we need a West Fan Ham to weigh in on Twitter and Okay, really, so the really bigger helps. question the bigger questions here are what the heck is going on up front with Crystal Palace because they've been linked to Berahino and Christian Benteke. I was talking to our friend Steven who who felt like it was a dead certainty that Benteke was coming to Crystal Palace and Party was effectively building the team around him. Um but Benteke Benteke seven point five um you know, I'm, I'm not. It's not like my ears perk up. Well, given those fixtures, though, I think that I think if if Christian Benteke moves to Crystal Palace before the season starts, I think at seven point five million he would be in my team as, as my third striker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. E- either him or Andre Gray. So I, I do feel pretty confident. I actually w- I would not feel as confident with Berahino. I think Berahino is a decent player, but I don't think he's quite as. Uh, I don't. I don't think. He- He's a decent player. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real with you, Josh. Uh, the player that I'm not very excited about, uh, his ownership, he's at 6.5% ownership right now, uh, is Andros Townsend. Uh, I know he looked okay at times last season for Newcastle, but I just, I cannot get excited about, about Andros Townsend. He is not a very likable chap. I just feel like the the whole front line for them it's just a bunch of C plus attackers. Yeah. You know, these Jason Punchin and Wilfred Zaha, like all of these guys who are even Yannick Bolasi, who who you know, he actually is he's playing up front right now, but I I, I think that they will eventually bring in a striker. I, none of these guys have any kind of consistency and it's it's, it's, it's funny, uh Townsend is actually a Zaha a version of Zaha that is not as good at running but is good at shooting. So God, if you just were able to merge those two players, you'd actually have 
Well, maybe you'd have a Raheem Sterling. <laughs> the problem is you could merge Zahai with anybody and they'd be a great player. <laughs> That's true. His speed yeah. is, is so fantastic, but it just he can't quite do anything else. Right. Uh, but he, I feel like he always has these stretches of three or four game weeks a season where it's like you get a glimpse of the player that Man U bought a few years yeah. ago. Or he just no one can keep pace with him. You know, he's driving in. You know, dishing the ball off to somebody. I mean, honestly, you know, he Zaha could be a more tempting player if they bring in a striker. Mm, because it's true. He, he, he didn't have anybody to pass it to last season. <laughs> yeah, he really didn't. Um, you know, and it's funny you're, you're assuming he had a plan when he dribbled into the 18 yard box. He was just sort of like, oh, uh oh, here I am. Yeah, it's such a mess with Connor Wickham and Fraser Campbell. I mean, it's just not a not a good situation. I, we haven't even talked about Johan Gabay, who you know had a great start to the season last year. Uh, he's, he's priced he's priced to sell at six. Yeah, he was in my he Fair was price. in uh, my immediate draft of a team, and uh, he didn't survive the first uh, tinkering session. He had I, a rough, I, yeah. The, the the last thirty two weeks of the season were pretty rough for him, but yeah, <laughs> last season. But the first six looked pretty good. Mwah, mwah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anything else you want to say about Crystal Palace? It's, it's I don't know. I, defense, I'm not too excited about this team. I, 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 do, I do like, like those I pictures, do, I do like talking to you about Crystal Palace because your enthusiasm sort of wears off on me and. I I found it hard to get jazzed about Crystal Palace in recent seasons, but yeah. I, I, I might go in on some defense. I like that. I've always liked that defense. I, I, I like Delaney. You know, he's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah fun yeah. guy. <laughs> All fun right, Josh. <laughs> I think we've, we've, we've covered, uh, covered a pretty good amount of ground uh, efficiently by always cheating standards. So I think we deserve a quick break. All right, let's do it. Same old podcast, always cheating. All right, Brandon, we're back in this, this rare information-heavy always cheating podcast. I'd say we do about about three. Ep- we do, you know, what about forty episodes a year? I'd say about three of them are informative. You yeah, know, and uh, the rest are about me and me and my cat and our fun adventures. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, Brandon, uh, T number six is Everton. I, I I I was just saying to you offline. I'm I'm excited to talk about Everton because. Uh, it's, it feels like a whole new world there. You know, a lot of the negativity that's hung over this club the last few seasons is, yeah. is lifted. I mean, they haven't necessarily even bought that many players, but there's just a feeling at the club that things are really changing right now. So, what, what do you? What did you learn? It's true. In, so, in, in your travels, in your in studies. my tra- in my travels uh, all the way to uh, uh, the land of Evertonians, uh, did a lot of thinking and soul searching about the team. So my initial feeling is, my God, what a mess uh, Roberto Martinez left for Everton. And then the the Belgian national team coach, Roberto Martinez. That is (laughs) one of the more insane pieces of news. I don't believe it. I, I, I feel like it wasn't telegraphed at all. Right? There was no was there any rumors about Martinez joining them? No, I'm sure Jurgen Klopp was uh, uh, linked to the, to the Belgium job before Roberto Martinez was. That was strange. Well, good for him. Uh, his his he's, great he's, his he's great run in the Premier League finally yeah. comes to an and end. He wears good suits, as we saw at the BlazerCon last oh, year. Oh God, too nice, too nice. Yeah, his suit was so nice. We're like something something else in your life is going very badly. Yeah, if you exactly like I, I, you know Alex Ferguson would never dress that nice. <laughs> so to replace him with Ronald Koeman, I feel like is perfect because you look at Ronald Koeman and you say everything in Ronald's life is probably just great. He just seems like he's a pretty happy-go-lucky guy, but he's on the ball. And I, I have Champions this feeling. League winner as a player. 
Yeah, and Kuman Kuman comes into that Southampton squad after all this tumult and all these players getting uh, uh, sold off, and he writes the ship immediately. That Southampton team was a force. So I think Coleman's got the tools uh, to play with. They've had made some interesting signings. Uh, Stecklenburg, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, so he had teamed up with Coleman at Southampton uh, briefly, and I'm sure that's where the connection is made. And I have, I have, I have on good authority. Um, I don't. I mean, the the wind seems to be blowing in Stecklenburg's favor. If you're looking at okay. Joel Robles versus Stecklenburg, and Stecklenburg has that sort of um, that Peter Check quality about him as he's getting older. He's 33 years old. He's he's a pretty experienced keeper, and I feel like he slots in to solidify the back line, particularly if you've got um, uh, nutty central defenders like John Stones, who sometimes just can't yeah. be controlled. Stone, we don't think Stones is going to stay there, though, right? I mean, I, I guess I guess it depends on what happens with Ashley Williams, you know, and. We, when we were on uh, the Cross the Pond podcast earlier this week, I was I was all over Ashley Williams as the as the you know the the one player to have in Everton once he joined from Swansea, and now it looks like that that might be off, it might be on, it might be resolved by the time this podcast goes live. Who knows? It just seems like such a strange move for Williams. I mean, you have he has to really be sold on a serious project at Everton. I mean, I don't know the man, but. Um, He's he's a beloved captain and Welshman who plays at Swansea City, and he's right. going. I mean, he's and, and the Welsh national team. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. funny. <laughs> the first and last Welshman you'll meet that plays on the Wales national team. But uh, I mean, he, at times in his career, he's been linked to big clubs, like I mean, bigger clubs than Everton, like top five clubs. So I mean I I wouldn't believe it if I I would believe it if I saw it but it's it's a curious one for me but um, I mean don't forget about Leighton Baines like uh, I feel like Baines he we all forgot about him last season because he had an injury and he came back and had some trouble finding his way back into the squad uh, Morellish like taking penalties off of him and as he's wont to do and um, even. Free kicks Baines wasn't taking, but five point four, five point five. That must be the lowest price that Baines has been at in, you know, all the years we've all been playing this game. Yeah, it's interesting. So, it almost felt like he was on the outs or something when when Martinez was there. You know, he wasn't taking penalties anymore. I don't really understand why, because wasn't he a phenomenal penalty taker? Did, I don't know. I wonder. Players? I wonder if he said something to Martinez like. Uh, I'm sick of this. I'm sick yeah, of maybe. I'm sick the craziness <laughs> that's going on in this locker room. Uh, I don't know. I mean, in terms of signings that Everton has made over the summer, uh, it's nothing really of note apart from just like they've been in conversations. That were, didn't didn't they just they just brought an Axel Witzel though? Didn't they? Or is that? Is oh, that I don't. Not, I don't know. I missed that one. Who is who's Witzel? Uh, Axel Witzel is a. Uh, he comes from the Russian league. Uh, okay. He's another. He's another Belgian player. Um, well, no. Okay, never mind. He's just. He's just a target right now. It's. It's okay. impossible to keep up with all this transfer news. <laughs> Am I right? It's like every. Mostly because all these British papers report all this stuff as like a done deal. <laughs> like it's all signed and. Yeah, who I know. Knows? I. You know, I, yeah, I, I, I flagged this. Done. I flagged this one uh, summer signing they had, Basala Sambu, who came from Coventry City. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, look at this tasty uh, forward. Scored 25 goals last season. And then I see the footnote that uh, 
uh, a majority of those goals came while playing in cup cup matches with the U18 team and the rest of the goals with the U21 team. (laughs) So it looks like they're just bringing in some youth players at the moment and they're, they're bigger targets. I mean, you have to bring in these young guys because look at who they lost in the offseason. Old man Steven Pienaar, old man Leon Osman, Tony Hibbert, Tim Howard. Yeah. So you, there, there you go. Kuman is cleaning house over there. What are your feelings on uh, last year's big guns, uh, Rami Lukaku, and, um, and to a lesser extent, um, Ross Barkley? Uh, I am like thumbs down on Ross Barkley. If... It's a pricing discussion, too. I mean, Barkley had a typical season last season where he looked uh, like a world beater for two or three weeks in a row, and then his form would fall off the face of a cliff. So priced at 7.5, there's no temptation. If he were 6.5, if he were in that, like we're saying, three to four tier, then yeah, I'd definitely consider him. The the Delafeu range? Yeah. So actually, uh, Scott Gilshannon reached out to us on Twitter and he asked uh, Everton, De La Feu started in the trials and is getting some shots. Is he good value? And so apparently in the preseason, Coleman is even trying De La Feu up the middle in the midfield and uh, he's priced at 6.5. And if he is playing through the middle, he's a, he's a savvy continental player. Could be exciting. I like him a lot better than I like Barkley at this point. Yeah, it's you know obviously you know it's, he's only tempted if if Coleman plays him differently than than Martinez did, which uh, looks like he is in the preseason at least. Yeah, and I agree at six point five. I think he's interesting. I mean, he's a he's a very interesting player. Um, he's a very good player. I mean, you know, yeah. absolutely. You know, he when he's on, he connects with uh, uh, with Lukaku better than anybody on the team. I'd say. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's even though not, he never gets credited with the assist. Right, even the, yeah, Opta hates him, but other, other than that, uh, yeah. But he he does he does you know he's a great crosser of the ball. He's he's kind of a frustrating player to watch because he's a little showy as a player. I mean, he's on the ball a lot. You know, I mean, you can you can you can just watch him for a whole match because he's often way way out by the touchline, uh, just dribbling quietly to himself and stepping over the ball with no one within ten feet of him, flicking flicking his hair to and fro, flicking his hair to and fro. Uh, but you know, he's he is tempting at six point five. There's no doubt about it. I mean, at six point five, that's your that's your third or fourth uh, you know midfielder slot. You don't need someone to get you fifteen goals yeah. and fifteen assists. If Lukaku stays at Everton, I say great. I mean, he's like a better version of Graziano Pele, who I think yeah. Coleman uh, vastly improves improved Pele's worth in the Premier League by managing him. So I think Lukaku could be a good pick this season. Uh, but, okay, so any question mark you have about, say, Lukaku or Everton's defense, just look at their opening fixtures. They host Spurs... That, uh, that's going to be a tricky one. But then they're away to West Brom. They've got Stoke, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, Bournemouth, and then they're uh, uh, at home to Crystal Palace. That is just like an outrageously good uh, opening run. And I think there are points to be had aplenty in, in all parts of the pitch for Everton. Wow. That was Would awful. you not agree? I mean, that, that, that to uh, me, I'll put a little bow on that for you. I, I do agree. Um, I, I do think that you have to at least rec- like you have to you have to have like a plan for Everton. You know, <laughs> you have to because it, it really. I mean, you know, two years in a row, Southampton have come out of the gates roaring for um, 
uh, for coming. And uh, you know, you wonder if it can happen a third year in a row. Um, and you know, actually, no, that that's not entirely true. It was really it was two years ago they came out great. Last year was a, it was a tougher start, but then they. They really turned it around by midseason. It's hard hard to uh, set up after you lose a guy like Morgan Schneiderlin. Yeah, yeah. I well, mean, I, 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 I kind of kid, but actually Schneiderlin was a great player for Southampton. He just managed to disappear when he went to And United. Luke Shaw, you know? Yeah, it was a, a big turnaround. So I think that, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I'm actually going to have anyone in Everton in my team to start. I, I, I get nervous about the goalkeeper situation because, especially for a 5 million goalkeeper, if I, if I don't if you don't know who's going to start, you know, I mean, yeah. Robles looked very good last season, so I, I would actually be surprised if Robles wasn't right in there. You know, was yeah. one of the contenders for that spot. I so, mean, we we can talk about other five goalkeepers too, and we'll talk about Leicester City in a second. Uh, uh, Schmeichel priced at five that is uh, perhaps a, a much safer and equally as good bet. I think that if you are not going to go with the Aguero Ibrahimovic forward line then i would only i would only avoid that forward line if i had lukaku as my ibrahimovic replacement because mm-hmm. you know you do save 2.5 million in that case and um you know he's he's a rather good player i don't know it's hard to know how good he was because that team was was very discombobulated last year they should have been better than they were um and it's not it's not entirely clear why they didn't totally click and i don't know if there was a chemistry issue if, i don't know that you can lay it all at martinez's feet but um yeah. but it makes me a little wary of having any of their attackers but I, I feel a little better about the defense although even that i'm a little nervous about because you know stones didn't look great last year and jackie alter's you know, jackie alter's injured at the moment so um, what i do wonder about oh. seamus coleman uh southampton has a great history of tr- uh, amazing uh wingbacks like uh bertrand and nathaniel klein and a, a coleman system could conceivably really favor a guy like seamus coleman so he yeah. might be of all the defenders uh, top of my list for Everton. Interesting. Okay. All right. That's five point five. So same price as Baines. Yeah. Yeah. Up. All right. All right. So th- that's the toffees right there. Uh, and now we now we come to our our second promoted team and one that uh, are basically shaping up to be the great whipping boys of this Premier League season. That's the whole City Tigers. The whole <laughs> Tigers. So okay, so Siraj uh, Siraj Garish asked us a question on Twitter. Hey, Siraj, uh, is Hull City going to be this season's Aston Villa? And uh, you know, I, I okay. So here's my here's my response to that. Uh, on the surface, the answer has to be yes. I mean, this is a squad that has you know about four healthy players. Uh, you know, they haven't brought in anybody. Uh, they don't have a manager. Uh, it would it would shape up to be a complete mess. They don't even really have a goalkeeper, right? They have this if you COVID if you look at their uh, their roster and the fantasy stats page, it is a sea of red flags for one. Uh, yeah. But it's actually not even a sea because they have about fifteen players. <laughs> right. So it's 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 kind of a mess. But from a from a fantasy perspective, there actually are a couple of players worth worth at least keep it in mind. Uh, and I, I don't want to spend, you know, 20 minutes on Hull, but just a, a couple of players to, lay, uh, to name here. Uh, one is uh, Bob Snodgrass, who um, longtime fantasy managers will know very well. Bobby uh, Snod. Was, uh, was best player in those Norwich squads, I'd say, or certainly right up there. I know you're partial to, uh, to uh, Grant Holt, Brandon. I'm a Hulahan uh, guy you're, myself. You're a guy. I'm Hulahan all the way. 
so Snodgrass uh, is 5.5 million to start the season, uh, seven goals and four assists last year, but he missed the first 17 matches of last season. So seven goals and four assists and, well, missing 17 matches still means you played about 65 matches in the championship, but uh, in their, their 86 game season. Yeah. Uh, but he's still, um, you know, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's on set pieces. Uh, he's, he's very tempting, I think, as a fourth, as a, as a fourth midfielder. If, if I am shelling out for a whole midfielder, it is 4.5 or bust. And that is, they are filling All a right. hole on uh, my bench. Uh, let me see if I can interest you in a 4.5 million player then. Okay. You might actually remember this guy too, because he was, the, the, Hull is like the, <laughs> least, the, the less fun version of Burnley we talked about <laughs> earlier. It's like, it's the same team, man. It's, it's the same crap. Uh, Andrew, no, no offense to Hull fans, but I mean, they, they must be feeling the same way, right? I mean, this is Surely. This can't be fun to see. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Andrew Robertson, uh, 4.5 million, uh, three goals, four assists last season. Um, actually some talk that he may get transferred. Um, a lot of, a lot of Premier League teams are interested in him. Um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see if that happens. Um, I actually kind of hope it doesn't because, um, I don't want to turn into, um, who was the Burnley defender who went to Tottenham last season? His name is escaping me right uh, now. Kieran Trippier. Yeah. You know, yeah, the Trippier situation where he's only going to play 12 matches, right? I'd love to have him just be the best defender on this, on this whole team. And you could just, yeah, Trippier really got screwed there because like Deandre Yedlin, American, uh, wingback went to Spurs and he get he he was so far down the pecking order that they loaned him off to Sunderland, and he played every game. Right. Trippier was just right on that bubble to where he, he didn't get to play at all. Yeah, it looked very good at times. But, yeah, great great player. So if if you had one Hull defender, uh, I, I would definitely make it Andrew Robertson. Um, Jakubovic, I'm nervous about because there's a lot of talk about them bringing in a new keeper. Now it may be that it doesn't matter anyway because if you're if you're planning to wild card at any point in the first. You know, if you if you if you bring in Jakubovic, it's probably because you're bringing in someone like, um, you know, someone like De Gea, who you're just going to start almost every game week anyway. So if that's the case, then I think De Gea Jakubovic is is fine, and the the risk of Jakubovic not uh, not he's, starting isn't isn't really a big factor because you're going to be able to wildcard him out at some point anyway. He's got the job until January at least. It appears. Well, there's 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 some talk now about uh, one of the like Wayne Hennessy maybe from Crystal Palace going to Hull. Ah, uh, what a party pooper! Does does make a lot of sense, actually. Um, it does. So, it makes very very good sense. Hey, what's Pantillamon uh, up to these days? I don't know what I don't know what uh, what 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 Mr. Pants is up to. Uh, okay, I have one. I, okay, two two more players to note here, and then and then we'll then we'll move on. This is a cla- This is a classic where we started before we started the pod. We're like, all right, so teams like Hull, Burnley, we probably don't need to spend but a minute on them, but we'll probably end up spending five minutes anyway. So here we are. Okay, sleepers, two sleepers. Sleeper number one, Sam Klukas, five million. Six goals, eight assists last season. Pretty solid returns. Pretty fair price. (laughs) I would now. I'm planning to have a four point five million midfielder as my fifth slot. But if I if I was going up to five million, he'd be a player I'd at least I would at least consider throwing down there. I do love that name, Klukas. And then uh, Abel Hernandez, who's kind of like he would be Andre Gray if Andre Gray wasn't joining the league this year uh 21 goals uh he's on spot kicks they actually had a brace in today's uh friendly for them uh very very affordable price at six were they they were playing some community parks and recreation league or something yeah they're playing they're actually playing the cast of parks and rec (laughs) 
<laughs> so you would expect a brace there, maybe. Uh, so yeah, Abel Hernandez, uh, one to keep an eye on. Uh, but their fixtures are, aren't that hot, uh, to say the least. Uh, yeah. Even if you were thinking, okay, so if you brought in anybody, I'd bring in Andrew Robertson. I'd put him in as my fifth defender. But to start the season, it's it's home to Leicester, away to Swansea, home to Man U, uh, away to Burnley, which isn't a great fixture. Uh, home to Arsenal and away to Liverpool. You don't want to be starting any any players in any of those matches. Um, so just just why don't you just stay away from Hull and save yourself the grief. I'm kind despite, of sad despite their affordable prices. When you said sleepers, I'm kind of sad you didn't bring up Tom Huddleston because just looking at Huddleston, he looks like the uh, the professional footballer most likely to need a nap. He just looks I, so tired all the time. I just feel like you can get the, the kind of value that you're getting with those Hull players that make them tempting to bring in. You can get at Burnley or Middlesbrough, and you're more likely to have a, you know, a solid player who might actually keep a clean sheet from time to time. Oh, listen, trust me. I was just trying to make a joke about how sleepy Tom Huddleston looks. <laughs> I was not making the case that anyone bring him into their squad. And he's priced at $10.5 million, which blows me away. I, it's, that's a shocking price. He's a, he's a champagne footballer, that guy. <laughs> Brandon, that brings us to the reigning champs. Perhaps you know them as Leicester. Perhaps you know them as Leicester. However you know them, it's Leicester City, the champs. Oh, I, I feel like I really drew the, uh, I don't know, the long straw, the best straw. Getting to talk about Leicester, this is a real honor. I'm talking about the the reigning improbable Premier League champions and, and Oops, how the, they... Who've spent a fair amount of money, you know, who have actually strengthened their squad. They seem like they're ready to, to at least go for it in the in the, in the Champions League this, this fall. I, I totally agree. Doing a deep dive into these summer transfers, I was like, well, yeah... That buy makes perfect sense. That buy looks pretty good. That's a good buy. Um, I mean, uh, another contender for favorite new name in the Premier League, Nam- Nampalis Mendy. Now, and if you're if you're a Seinfeld fan, you know that the New York City restaurant Mendy's, which is a real restaurant, uh, is almost a, there are a almost few, there are a, actually a few Mendy's. Um, so anytime I see Nampalis Mendy, uh, who is a uh, uh, a midfielder who came from Nice. I will think of some of my favorite episodes of Seinfeld. But I mean, this you is all, a, you got all these all these players that came in. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, you really did some nice research here, Brandon. And I, I don't mean to you know to talk over you here, but obviously we can't focus on all of the players they brought in. Is, are there one or two that really stand out to you as kind of a someone who may have some some interest from a fantasy perspective? Well, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> Mendy, not not a fantasy prospect because he's basically going to fill a Conte type of a role. But uh, Ahmed Musa, who comes from CSK Moscow, he is a forward uh, priced, uh, intriguingly, at 7.5. Um, and if anyone scored, uh, followed the uh, friendly that Leicester played against Barcelona today, Musa came in and scored a brace. So, quality striker, Probably is not, I mean, obviously is not going to displace Vardy, but if you're looking at that hierarchy of Vardy, Okazaki, and Ajoa, current talk is Ajoa is linked to Swansea, which um, to me makes perfect logical sense. I could see that move going through, and Musa comes in and displaces Okazaki in that second striker role. So 7.5, depending on how he fits into that squad, he could either be poaching goals or being fed by uh, Vardy and Mares uh, and do quite well for you. So um, he he's really the one that I would flag 
for for your FPL squad coming into the season. Other than that, you're looking at old favorites like Vardy and Mares, Morgan Huth, uh, a bevy of beauties there, Lester. Scott Gill has a question. Uh, any love for Lester this year with Mares, Vardy, and their defense? So I guess it's kind of referring to the old the old guard players. At Leicester. Yeah. Uh, I have love. I have this feeling. Okay, so this is this is cosmic. Brandon speaking. I have this feeling that Vardy is going to have some problems this season. I, I mean, I, I guess that's it's unfair because he just had this incredibly special season, uh, irre- irreplicable. But I, I just don't have this good feeling about Var, uh, Vardy. Whereas with Mares. Um, I mean, did you see that goal he scored? And it was an earlier preseason game, but it was I like classic Mahrez. Yeah, the, against Celtic, I did see that goal. Yeah. Uh, but beyond Mahrez, I my eye just immediately goes to the core defenders, uh, Schmeichel and goal and Wes Morgan and Robert Huth. Yeah, and the, I mean, I feel like the, 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 the season really hangs in the balance depending on what happens with Mahrez, you know, in the next uh, couple of weeks. I, I really don't have a handle on it anymore. I mean, as an Arsenal fan, I... There was an element of wishful thinking where I was sort of reading the articles that made it seem like he was coming to Arsenal and avoiding the ones that made it seem like it wasn't going to happen. But uh, I, I really don't know. I'd say it's um, I'd say the odds are he actually ends up staying with Leicester this season. I, I kind of hope he does because um, it just seems so sad to totally raid that team. I mean, we all knew we knew Conte was going to leave, and you know if Mares leaves, I, I certainly won't blame him. And I I really hate when people yell at footballers for. Um, for not staying, you know, like like they should have loyalty when when any one yeah. of us in our own jobs would happily leave for more money, you know, if it was offered. Yeah, uh, you know, if if you know if, if someone came knocking at my door and offered me double my salary, I'd be gone in about two seconds, you know. Yeah, there are there are players like I immediately think of Liverpool, like the Jamie character Carragers and Steven Gerrards, who are such integral members of that community, and they're one club guys, but. Mahrez it's not like Mahrez was born in Leicester. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Mahrez came to Leicester. He he won the he he gave them the greatest sports moment they will ever have. They they should throw a party for him. I'm sure they've thrown many parties for him and let him go peacefully if he if he if he so chooses. Yeah, that's uh, that's so I, I'm pretty interested in, in Leicester this season. I, I actually think there there's a little bit of, of value to be found in this team too from a from a, a fantasy, I don't know if I want to say differential because some of the, it's very interesting. You know, I can't quite tell. I, there's sort of this 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 divide that you see sometimes where the people who are talking about the players they're bringing in aren't really aren't really talking about Lester a lot, but the the fans, the people who just play fantasy for fun, are drafting these players in in big numbers. And so you see, you know, Mares has you know twenty five point five percent. I mean, justly deserved twenty five. I mean, he was you know the runaway top point scorer last season. But I think a lot of us are a little wary of bringing Mares in because it's just I don't know. I really, really, we shouldn't be because nine point five is a very fair price. And uh, I actually currently have him in my team. But I'm thinking of doubling or even tripling up on Leicester players to start the season, um, just because their fixtures are are, are pretty good and. Um, I don't know about tripling up, certainly doubling up. I'm planning to have um, Mares and a and a Leicester defender to start yeah. the season. The Leicester fixtures are good, but they're sort of an every other in a way. I mean, they they're a way to hole in game week one. Uh, everyone's favorite uh, team to go down. That's a, that's an Aston Villa situation. But then they have Arsenal. Then it goes Arsenal, Swansea, Liverpool, Burnley, Man United, Southampton. So it's 
it's like hardly cut and dry with their fixtures. But, but you could captain Mares in that Hull fixture away. You could captain Mares in that Swansea fixture at home, and you could captain Mares in that Burnley fixture at home. That's three of the first five game weeks of the season where Mares is an absolute, you know, one of your top two choices for captain in that game week. Yeah. Um, so you know, I really think that um, I think it's just it's just hard mentally to get over the hump of that. This is a five point five million player last year, season. I think even by the end of the season, he only ended at seven million or whatever. But given his return last year, he should be priced like Eden Hazard is this year, right? I mean, there's certainly an historical element that's involved in the pricing of these players. I mean, given the way he performed, he should be priced more than Alexis, right? I think you're completely right to say it as a mental thing because I think I just can't get over the fact that it was a miracle that Lester had the season they did. And there is, there's just this side. I, th- I think a lot of people is it's coming out in them of like, well, it's improbable that Lester will do it again. And it seems somehow a safer bet. And I, 38 games, It's a, that's a long season, and that is yeah. a season that proves without a shadow of a doubt you're the best team in the league. But I think the amount of sea change that happened over the summer in terms of new managers and new signings, to me there is enough doubt uh, thrown Yeah, the thing is, you, so I think unlike last season where you could get a lot of these uh, Leicester players for cheap and then you, you're kind of forced to hold on to them through thick and thin, uh, which was fine actually because they got knocked out of all their cups fairly early and they're basically just playing for the for the league, uh, you know, almost the entire season. Um, I think that this year a uh, better strategy is to to have them for these first four or five game weeks, and then because of their Champions League commitments, I actually think it's best to be ready to to offload them pretty fast and be very unsentimental with your Leicester assets this year because I think that. There's a very good chance that you know, even honestly, even in that that game five fixture. Um, well, game five is home to Arsenal, so you know, I guess it could be game four away to Burnley. Uh, I think they're going to be trying to to rest these guys fairly regularly. You know, Mares and Vardy. Um, you know, just because they're they're going to want them fresh for the Champions League. So yeah. uh, maybe that points to having Peter Schmeichel. You know, because you you assume that Schmeichel will be starting all these fixtures. Yeah, less rotation risk. 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 Uh, you talk about Schmeichel, and then I say risk. Uh, that's a that's a funny old thing. No, I totally agree. I, Schmeichel is. I'm 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 more and more leaning to Schmeichel as my starting goalkeeper, just because I mean, if you're being stingy, you save that extra point five. Yeah. Uh, over the the the. To use my favorite word, Josh, primo, the primo goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Lester, I, I think that's the right strategy with Lester. It's, it's front load and, and get ready to, to drop. Yeah. Because the part, they'll have, they're going to have a certain champion swagger, too, when they start the season, don't you think? Yeah, I, I do. And I, I think that they'll have something to prove, especially as they've been like basically destroyed in the Champions Cup. Uh, I mean, everyone they've played has kind of kicked their ass so far. So for, I think for be, nothing to PSG. I mean, that's bad. I actually watched the first half of that match. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Mares is a little uh, a little invisible in that first half. Yeah. So uh, it's an uh, interesting, interesting club. I think it's one that we're going to have to. You have to at least reckon with. You know, I think that um, I think you'd be making a mistake if you didn't have at least one Leicester player in your team at the start of the season, though. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to the next L team, and that's Liverpool. So they finished eighth last year on the back of uh, the inspiring Jurgen Klopp. So this is his first full season with the club. What's he done to prepare, Josh? 
Uh, well, he's brought in uh, uh, some interesting players, Brandon. Um, Sadio Mane, the uh, somewhat mercurial uh, winger from Southampton, uh, has has joined the club. Uh, Loris Karius, the um, he was a, a goalkeeper uh, who was slotted to to actually you know be the starting goalkeeper until he injured himself, and now he's out for eight weeks. He broke uh, his hand, right? Yeah, broke his hand. Uh, should be back by October, I think. Uh, and then Joel Matip, uh, who's a 5.5 million central defender, should slot right into that club. But uh, it's a little expensive because, as I noted in my opening note to myself here, uh, Liverpool finished eighth place in the Premier League and couldn't keep a damn clean sheet to save their life. <laughs> uh, that was how the whole season went for them. I mean, that it was so frustrating. I mean, you just it's, could not it's get the law. It's the law of Dejan. Yeah, it was the law. So I mean, that 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 will be the nice thing about Matip is they'll be able to, uh, you know, they they really needed some some stronger central defenders. Uh, and then you know, Sako actually was playing quite well at the end of the season. And then he had this you know this drug <laughs> suspension. He caught a cut a little bit of the Lance Armstrong. Yeah, exactly. So this is an interesting team. I, I really, I, I would, I would kind of believe a lot of different outcomes for the team this season. You know, I, I, I think the, the challenge the, of the Champions League. I could see them being kind of a yo-yo club. The greatest controversy in FPL, in my mind right now, is the pricing of Mane, Firmino, and Coutinho. Maybe less Coutinho, but the fact that Mane is 9.0 and Firmino 8.5, Firmino is going to boss that midfield. And I, I mean, to me, there's no question. Like 10 times out of 10, I pick Firmino over Mane for my FPL team. I agree. I think that... Um yeah, I, I I totally agree. And Imani is so, uh, you know, he's just he's, he runs hot and cold, you know, and it's just hard to. He's like a really good version of Yonak Balassi. Yeah, he is exactly, and uh, so it's just a little. I'd be a little nervous about bringing in Sadio Mane, even though I think he's actually a great fit for the style for Jurgen Klopp's style. So I mean, I can see why they spent the money. I can see they bought him, and I can I can even see why he's priced the way he is. I mean, you know, we could look at this podcast. We could look back at this podcast in a few weeks and really, yeah, like, money could be a must own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Laugh at, at the fact that none of us, because we're <laughs> well, you know, because we'll all have money. But uh, yeah, I think for me now, especially you know, it's been starting up front for them uh, in the preseason. I think that. Um, yeah, he's if I if I were to have anybody from Liverpool that started the season, I would have for me now. Uh, don't have a ton of faith in their defense, although Moreno is priced at a very reasonable five million. So if I were to bring in a Liverpool defender, I'd, be, I'd bring in Moreno. I mean, he's you know one goal, four assists last season. He's sort of famously like the the unrealized stat guy. You know, every all the underlying stats indicate that he's you know he's he's this great attacker. He should be picking up tons of points. He actually picked up twelve bonus points last season. Uh, so, you know, if he does anything positive, it leads to bonus points. Um, when he gets his eyes set on goal, it's, it's really remarkable. He just goes straight, uh, straight into the 18 and, and punishes the goalkeeper. But then there are moments like he had last season when they were playing that insane game against Norwich, where he just walked up to a Norwich attacker in the penalty box and just... Just, tri- just tripped him out of the blue. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he doesn't really seem to have a brain. That guy. I'm not. So I, I don't know that I'm really inclined, especially because they play Arsenal and Spurs away in two of the first three fixtures. I, I, I and then and then Leicester at home. Honestly, it's it's a pretty tough start start for Liverpool. I think that I, I you know, it's it's a little bit like Arsenal. Uh, there are players that I want on my fantasy team, but I'm probably going to be waiting five or six weeks. So, you know, probably till my first wild card to to bring them in because. Uh, and their first six fixtures they play, or the first five, I should say, they play uh, Arsenal, Spurs, Leicester, and Chelsea. And uh, three out of four of those are 
um, you know, are away. So uh, those are those are pretty tough fixtures. Uh, Sturridge uh, is once again priced, I think, too too high given his injury record. I can't uh, believe he kept uh, like a 10, 10 plus price tag. He's the same price as Jamie Vardy. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, so you know, eight goals and two assists in limited minutes last season. I, I mean, he's one to keep an eye out for. I guess. I mean, he's when he's healthy, he's a great player. But yeah. uh, I, at that price, I, I need more. I need you know. So I just, uh, are, I need to be are, sure he's going to play. Yeah, and Origi is scoring in the preseason. So and as we realized at the end of last season, Klopp loves nothing more than rotating that squad. So. Yeah, it, it, it'll be curious to see how that works between Sturge and Origi and how fresh they try and keep Sturge. I know a lot of people are bringing in uh, Lalana. He's up to about 10% ownership in the league. He's he's priced at $7 million, so he's kind of the cheapest of all these players. But I, I just, I'm not sure if he's going to see totally consistent playing time. And I, I given all of the scoring midfielders that are ahead of him, I, I just don't know that that's good value at $7 million, even as a, as a third or fourth uh, midfield option. Do you really, in your heart of hearts, believe that there's a chance that Liverpool finishes top four this season? Well, I could believe it. I mean, they played very well the second half of last season. Uh, they're great in the Europa League. I have a lot of faith in Jurgen Klopp. Uh, I, I, I do think it rests on Sadio Mane to a large degree. I think that yeah. if, if Sadio Mane, you know, reveals some aspect of his game, you know, if he do, if he just locks in perfectly with. With with uh, Klopp style, then then I think they really could be dangerous. And but yeah, I, I think it's too hard to tell. And, and we're not going to know based on these first five fixtures because they're so difficult. So uh, I think you really have to wait and see with this club. Before you know it, Sadio Mane is replacing Jordan Ibe in the Bournemouth midfield. <laughs> That's right. It's going to be wild. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Our last club for this week. All right. Uh, we've done this in a quick uh, three hours and forty two minutes. I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> yeah. it's, the, uh, it's the director's cut. Uh, very important team this year. Fascinating team. Maybe the most fascinating team in the Premier Oh, my God. Yeah, it just makes me sweat thinking about Manchester City and, and what's oh, happened to them thinking, since last season. I was thinking Middlesbrough, actually. But, yeah, you're Man, Man City, too. Man City is uh, yeah. <laughs> Learn your alphabet, Josh. <laughs> uh, so Manchester City, new manager, lots of new players. Uh, who, am I, who am I excited about on this team? Uh, number one on my to-buy list is Nolito with a bullet. He is a midfielder who comes from Celta Vigo and La Liga, priced at 9.0. As of this writing, had 2.1% ownership. So he plays on the left wing. So Raheem Sterling, thanks for playing. Go off and uh, you know do whatever it is you do <laughs> elsewhere. Do fuck off, Raheem Sterling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thirty-nine goals and a hundred appearances for Celta Vigo. But the more impressive stat that I uncovered was uh, in the 2014-15 season. Uh, so the season prior to last, if if you're all with me still. He created 96 goal-scoring opportunities during that single season, the most in the Spanish league uh, at all during that season, and the fourth most of any player in all of Europe's five leading leagues. See, this is is why you and I always have such similar teams, because I hear this stuff, and I... Despite my better my better judgment, I respect your opinion, and now I'm suddenly <laughs> I'm, I'm suddenly getting excited myself about Delito. I, this is interesting. There, I mean, there. So there, are, the other two uh, obvious marquee signings for them were Godongan from. Borussia Dortmund, but the concern about him is he's deep lying in the midfield, and we're not going to see a lot of great FPL FPL out 
output. But then on the other wing, Leroy Sané, who more more likely will be on the right, placing, my God, another world-class Man City winger, Jesus Navas. Do you think that Sané is going to have the name that is the most punned name in the Premier League this year? I think by the end of the season, there will be more teams with Sané puns. Insane. I don't know. I can't think of any good puns right now. Here is is the challenge we should put out to our listeners, Josh. So uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Hail Cheaters. I want team names that incorporate both Sané and Mané in the same name. (laughs) So That's a good idea. (laughs) See see what you can come up with. All right. So Sané is like the less intriguing version of Nolito for me. Eight goals last year for Schalke. Um and it, it's a crowded midfield. I, he's a bit. Uh, he's a bit young too, right? Isn't, I think he's only twenty. Yeah. So, and and Pep, the assumption is, uh, I mean, uh, Ross Ross Logawood, uh, uh, the only Logawood on planet Earth, uh, will remember, <laughs> uh, asked us, "What are your thoughts on Manchester City's midfield this season? They already uh, had a fairly over oversubscribed midfield, but with further additions, will we see more rotation for players such as Silva, KDB?" Um, uh, being risky, pr- risky picks for for high prices, <laughs> risky pricks. That's a, hey, there's my team name. Sorry, Ian's ice cream cake. Um, I mean, I, I tend to agree. the the th- The general thinking is Pep uh, will rotate the midfield. He has lots of ideas happening there. Plus, they're going to be in the Champions League playoff to get into the group play. Yeah, let's so just ch- just because we had just a just a tie in with your with your, where, you're, where you're going here, Brandon. We actually had two other questions too. Uh, uh, Johan Svensson said, uh, "What do you think about City rotation because of the Champions League playoffs and game weeks? Uh, you know, it, between game week one and two and two and three. Uh, and then our friend Stephen at uh, Roto Premier League uh, at Roto PL says, uh, "Leroy Sané, how does he affect David Silva's fantasy value this year, if at all?" So let these questions. <laughs> color you're thinking, Brandon, as you respond to this question. I will, yeah. I was, I'm just stepping all over our listeners' questions, which I, I do appreciate. Um, <laughs> but uh, Silva is actually in my squad right now, so I am thinking a lot about this, uh, especially considering um, my eyes being completely open to Nolito at this point. A great, um, it's a great neighborhood, too. <laughs> no, we don't. Hard to find. Hard to find uh, here in the great city of New York. Uh, I I think first and foremost, these players' uh, health record is going to be the the biggest thing. And Silva, his bloody ankles after every game, it, it does worry me. The, the appeal of Silva is you've got these stud wingers that are coming into the rotation. Silva playing through the middle, uh, doing some sort of uh, Barcelona Iniesta thing, could be fantastic. I mean, it could it could really work for his FPL value. And nine point oh, okay. So you compare Silva to KDB. KDB ten point five. I feel like he's out of the question for a lot of managers right now, given how all the top-tier priced players we're trying to squeeze into our squad. Well, I I think that, I mean, I think this, again, gets back to the the Champions League issue, which is that, I mean, it's you don't really need to rest these guys this early in the season, but they they may not get a full run out anyway. They may only play 65 65 minutes or something, you know. Right, here's the thing. So it's Pep's first season in Manchester, and 
the fans are going to want to, well, they're going to want to do well in the Champions League regardless. But what you're first going to be judged on is your form in the league. And they're going to want to seal some early, easy wins in the Premier League. I expect to see a lot of these guys starting uh, right away. I have to confess that this this particular team has given me a lot of FPL related anxiety. I really, I mean, outside of Sergio Aguero, was pretty much the you know essential must own player. Uh, you you really need him if only for that game week one fixture. Uh, but you know they have these they have these great starting fixtures, very tempting. But you know it's hard to know quite how they're going to line up. It's hard to know you know. You know, you know who's going to be scoring the goals. Um, I mean, you know, it could be that De Bruyne is just absolutely fantastic in Pep's system, and you you kind of need to bring him in for ten point five million. Uh, but, you know, but the prices are high, so you can't really load up on this team. Um, I think the the defense still feels a little unsettled, but I also feel like given their fixtures, you really have to have probably two players from this team to start your season. So um, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm just I, not feeling great about it. I totally agree, and I think where uh, you you have to draw the line is in their defense. Like you're saying, the defense is unsettled. They haven't bought at all. And talk of John Stones, John Stones replacing Mangala or something like that. It doesn't uh, change the dynamic of that defense incredibly. I think Oda Mende, if you're going to look at any defender, is probably the guy to go for because he does offer threat on, on corner kicks as well, attacking-wise. But he's 6.0. That's that's a chunk of change. And when, like you're saying, Josh, talking about an expensive team. It's a primo uh, be, price, Brandon. These are primo prices we're talking about, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely looking at Aguero 1. And, and listen, Aguero is fit. He's healthy. He already scored against Dortmund in the preseason. Uh, he'll be ready to go against that home match against Sunderland, where Aguero will be everyone's captain, surely. Except for you, smarty pants managers out there, I'm still. I still think it's not going to be made for Captain Amarez or, or Vardy in, in game week one. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that, it, that it, hall fixture. Didn't we talk about this last week? About the uh, there's less to lose in game week one as far as your captaincy goes, or or sort of more to gain with the Maverick captaincy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I just don't think it's a. I don't think it's a colossal differential. Uh, far, you know, far right, crazy choice to, to captain um, a couple different options. I mean, even even Zlatan, I think, at game week one is a is a, a reasonable yeah. option. Um, all right, Brandon, uh, lots to think about. Uh, let's we have ten, a, we have let's ten we have ten more teams to go, Josh. <laughs> yeah, but not until next week. Not till next week. Yeah, should we so, take a quick break? Let's take a quick break, and then we've got we've got a few questions, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. All right. Same old Okay, we're back, Josh. And uh, we did receive more questions from our listeners, from you guys on Twitter, Facebook. Again, real quick, we're at Hail Cheaters on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Always Cheating. You can always contact us with your questions. First off, it's Owen O'Keefe asks, do you have any low-priced punts in mind like Redmond for Southampton, who's played a stormer of a preseason? And uh, also following up on that on Twitter, Tom Butcher asked us, have you ever done a draft league? I'm in a 10-team league with 150 players picked. Which under-the-radar players would you target? 
All right. So I think we've uh, talked about a lot of these players already in the podcast. I think that there are some uh, some Burnley and Bournemouth defenders who I'd be keeping an eye out for. Uh, it may take a couple weeks to find out who those who those differential options are. Uh, I think that Redmond for sure. Uh, you know, the uh, I know the uh, the new Southampton uh, gaffer is. Uh, I feel like anytime I use a an English word that isn't natural to the way that I like to, it's, it's not natural in my language. I like I put like a ton of emphasis on it. Uh, but the uh, the New England man, or the uh, you trust me, Josh. You sound very authentic. Okay, good. good. The new <laughs> Southampton manager is uh, is very excited about Redmond. So what far, even is so. his name? I haven't I haven't committed his name to memory. I can't remember, and that's why I just uh, you, you put me in the spot here a little. Uh, bit. No, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> I think uh, hey, if anybody knows his name, let us know because uh, yeah, my do. computer stopped working about five minutes ago. Yeah, we can't do a, a eight second Wikipedia search here. Uh, <laughs> All right, so yeah, uh, I think, yeah, Redmond for sure uh, at six million. I think he's he's he's. Just about the perfect uh, fourth fourth midfielder. Uh, looks like he's going to play pretty far forward. I think you can actually play him week in and week out. I think he's that good. I uh, love any bargain player who is unafraid to shoot from distance as well. Yeah, exactly. And when we saw it last year with uh, with Norwich, I mean, it's it's we talked about this a little bit last week's podcast. It's it's hard to properly rate uh, Redmond because he's never really been on a very good team, and so this is by far the best squad he's been on. Uh, even even though that team is a little uh, shorn of some talent this year. Uh, so I think uh, I think Redmond, uh, Jordan Ibe, who we talked about, Andre Gray, who we talked about, uh, Andrew Robertson, uh, I think on Hull is maybe a guy who would still be available in a, in a big draft league. Uh, and then uh, Pierre-Emile Holberg, who I've got to give all credit to uh, Nick Cummings at the uh, uh, Transfer Hub website. Um, that's uh, triggerlips.com, uh, who was uh, talking up Holberg on um, – on that site, you know, he's a 4.5 million midfielder who they uh, brought him to Bayern. He's Danish international. Uh, they actually paid a fair amount of money for this guy. I think he's 20 or 21, uh, but he's. Uh, what do they pay? Know, like 200 million? <laughs> yeah, 200 million. It was actually. It was they. It was the double Pogba, they called it. Uh, so, <laughs> I feel like that's uh, a move in Pokemon. <laughs> he's a, a low risk, high reward kind of player, and he's actually already scored this, uh, scored in a friendly. So if you want a 4.5 million midfielder that you can just stick at the end of your bench and uh, basically never really play them, but they don't cost any money. And if they do come on, maybe they do something good. I think that uh, Hoiberg, which is H O J B J E R E, E R G. You failed to mention. I say all the letters. <laughs> the O in Hoiberg also is the O with the little line through it. So right. you have to mention that. <laughs> Good luck finding this guy. Um, so he's 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 one I'd look for. Is anyone anyone you have my Brennan? Anyone? I mean, I think I think you covered it right there. That is a, that is a solid murderer's row of bargain players. All right. Well, let's move on then. Yeah. Uh, Tucker at Tuck Nine says, uh, "Hey, at Ale Cheaters, if you could pick a must-have spine for your squad, uh, who would you choose?" We were talking about this a little bit before we started the pod, and we both solidly agreed that there are uh, two must-haves in terms of spine. A Manchester United defender, and I would include David De Gea in that category as sure, defender. Sure, me too. Uh, and a Man City attacker. So it's an all-Manchester spine. And then that leaves kind of a third wild card uh, as far as uh, sort of do you want to gamble or, or, or play it safe. I picked and, I picked a Crystal Palace defender as as, as another option because I think that uh, stood by in the podcast I just think their fixture at the start of the season are fantastic and uh, you know especially if, if Suarez starts at four point five million I just think you can you know he'd be a very useful player for for cheap. 
Yeah, I have to tell you, uh, and we'll get to these guys next podcast, but we haven't talked about Spurs very much in these opening episodes of the podcast. And Spurs midfield, uh, so amazing last season. And I don't see any reason why they, I mean, it's. I think it's going to be so much more competitive for them to get into the top four. But uh, in terms of spine, you got like uh, midfielders like Deli Ali and uh, Christian Eriksen and amazing defenders like... Um, Toby Alderwald. So I think I would include them in the discussion. Interesting. I like that. Uh, Fat Gorilla at Fat Gorilla says, Hey, NIL shooters, what do you think of the new FPL website fixture difficulty ratings? Helpful or misleading? Hashtag preseason overthinking. Uh, I, I, the color coding doesn't seem to, uh, well, I really like the colors. I'll say that up front. I find the mm-hmm. colors to be very pleasing. It all works with the aesthetic of the yeah. app and the website. Red means um, stop. Green means go. I, I, I wouldn't say I find them helpful or useful, but uh, I don't find them um, harmful. I actually kind of like them. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't base too much. I actually I tend to disagree with a lot of their assessments. <laughs> there are certain fixtures that they think are not that difficult that I think are difficult and, and vice versa. Uh, but I, just as a quick look, it's actually nice. You know, last season you could only see three fixtures when you when you pull the player's name up. It's nice to be able to scroll through, you know, the entire 38-week season. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing that, that you – previously you had to go to Fantasy Football Fix or – or the uh, fantasy football scout site to to you know get that kind of long term fixture scroll for a player, so it's kind of useful to just have it right there on the site. Um, even though, like I said, you have to take it with a grain of salt, but I, I kind of like it. I, I I you know I certainly don't mind it. I think you're right. It's sort of like I've probably used this metaphor before, but like a uh, an album rating system for like on Pitchfork.com for your favorite al- albums. I've stopped I've stopped reading the reviews, but I can just. <laughs> Based on whatever num- numeric rating they give an album, I can in- infer what they think about it and what yeah. I should then think about it. So I, I think it's true. You can sort of moderate the uh, the you can moderate the uh, the grading system to suit your own purposes. Sure. Okay, uh, I'll take the next question, Josh. This one comes from our buddy Guy at Moment of Magic Pod. Uh, he says uh, at Hell Cheaters, if Arsenal pick up Scott Dan. Who gets more attacking points this season, Dan or Walcott? And I think Guy's tongue is in his cheek a little bit there. <laughs> I actually can't. I, I'm, I'm going to not answer this question of protest because it's too. <laughs> I'm too depressed by the question to answer it. How far is Arsenal willing to fall? I mean, I, I, I'm willing to concede that they, they very well might finish third uh, place this season. I really do think that the reckoning is coming for Arsene Wenger this season. Maybe it has to be this way. I mean, I I, I don't want to, and I don't want to go too off the FPL track here, but I, I don't like to be an, a Wenger out kind of Arsenal fan, you know, because I, I do, I do. Everyone respects what he's done, but it's I, I, I my frustration. It, it's like he has a he has like a a philosophical objection to how much players cost, so he won't buy them. And yeah. like, and meanwhile, they just sit on like two hundred plus million dollars. I mean, they could bring in Pogba and have yeah. and, and still have as many reserves as anybody. They could just add Pogba to their team and just yeah. move on. <laughs> I think. I think that it's, the, it's very the, frustrating. The quick answer to this question is Scott Dan, with, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. 
Okay, let's move on. Uh, I'll <laughs> take right, this next one. Okay, you you take it, Josh. Uh, Andrew Andrew H at 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 Arhach, A R H A Y C H on Twitter says. Uh, hello, uh, the last part of the jigsaw is my third striker. What 6.5 forwards do you guys rate? Uh, and will you start with any of them? Uh, and then he says, um, if it's been asked already, uh, what about the 5.5? If it hasn't been asked already, what about the 5.5 midfielders? Uh, so, uh, I'll run through, you know, we actually talked about a couple earlier. I think Andre Gray is, um, is the, the absolute 6.5 million striker you'd want. I'm probably going to have, my team's probably still going to change, but right now it's, I've got a, uh, an Ibrahimovic, Aguero, uh, Gray forward line, which is like the the like, it's kind of the template in a certain kind of way. And yeah, I'm okay sure. with that, but it, it could change. Uh, I think that Callum Wilson is interesting. We talked about him earlier on. Uh, reasonable price at six million. If you know, but you you want to get past these early fixtures for for uh, for Bournemouth. Uh, I think whoever leads the line at Southampton, uh, whether that's um, uh, Charlie Austin or Shane, I'm not. I, I have to admit, I'm not that big on Shane Long. I'm just. I feel like we've we kind of we've seen who he is. You know, there's there's not a lot of fun in having Shane Long. Shane Long is a bit of a one dimensional player. Uh, I mean, I think he's a I think he's a class player, but he's all down to his speed, and you know, he's a, he's a small man. <laughs> I I have I have one uh, slightly differential option here, which is uh, Diafra Sacco uh, has just joined West Brom. Uh, 15 million transfer and West Brom actually have some pretty good fixtures to start the season. Uh, he's available. Sacco's going to be eating Rondon's lunch. I don't <laughs> like this one bit. He's available for six million, and you know Sacco is a pretty good player, and I think he's going to have some opportunities to score some goals for that club. And okay. I, I hey, think he's really he's really worth keeping an eye if, on. If you're going to throw Sacco into the mix, you've got to show some love for Alvaro Negredo at six point five at Middlesbrough. I, I refuse. I will not. You go. You go <laughs> ahead. I Alvaro Negredo stunk last year. He stunk at Man City, and that's why they got rid of him. I know he's a famous player, but I'm just not. I'm not feeling the Alvaro. He scored. He scored some worldies for Man City, and you can't take that away from him. Yeah, in 2013. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to put my FBL team in a time machine, and I'm going to go have some fun. (laughs) And the question about 5.5 midfielders, just as a little lightning round answer here, I think that uh, Robert Snodgrass at Hull. Uh, Jordan Ibe at Bournemouth, and Jordan Ibe is the one that we'll kind of underline here. And uh, maybe Denny Drinkwater, uh, $5.5 million. Kind of depends on where he lines up in that Leicester squad. Uh, we know how integral he is to that team. He he had a little more scoring threat, I thought, the second half of that season, uh, second half of last season. So um, I think he's one to to maybe think about, too, for, for Leicester. Yeah, Jordan Ibe is the one for me there. Next question comes from FPL God at God FPL. Uh, says, at Hell Cheaters, Best game week one to game week three captain. All right. I'm going to list my three, and then I'm not even going to explain them, okay? Because <laughs> it, it'll take too long. Game week one, Sergio Aguero. Uh, game week two, uh, Dimitri Payet. Game week three, Zlatan. There you go. Those are my three. Okay. Payet's home to Bournemouth. Zlatan's away to Hull. All right, Josh. I'm going to totally agree with you, but for one. Uh, so Aguero in game week one. And we'll do uh-huh. we'll do Ebra in game week three, but okay. I like Chelsea away to Watford in game week two. And mm. just looking looking back at my analysis of it being Hazard's team, I like Hazard scoring a brace against Watford in game week two. So okay. we'll go. With I that. like that. I like that. 
Uh, all right. Final question comes from Jeff Jeff Petter, a uh, longtime uh, friend of the podcast. Says uh, thoughts on using the all attack in uh, the all attack chip in game week one. Uh, it's fairly useless, which is true. Uh, so I might take a punt as clean sheets are hard to call. Uh, I actually think that uh, there will be some clean sheets on game week one. Uh, there tend to be. You know, a few teams are still figuring it out. Um, game week one can often be kind of a boring week. You know, there's all that kind of excitement in the lead up to the game week, and then you end up with uh, quite a few nil-nil draws, one nothing games. I know we saw a lot of those last year. Uh, so I think that, um, I think, if I recall, there were four or five one nothing games in that, that first uh, that first game week. I'm sure if I looked at it, that that wasn't true at all. And they're like, there, there was none of a them. single one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it certainly felt that way, and it feels like it's typically that way. So I think that. I would wait until, um, I don't know. You know, it's a tricky one. You don't want to play them in a game week where there's going to be a lot of substitutions. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think that I would, I think I would still wait. I mean, I, I agree save that it, it doesn't really matter anyway, but I, I think I'd save it for later in the season. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think it matters, and I won't pretend like this is going to be super useful for you, but I think one of the less talked about uses of the all-out attack chip is a week in which you have uh, a number of defensive issues be they injuries or cards disciplinary issues and and you may need it then and it'll be really useful in that regard so i i, I will happily hang on to my all out attack chip just in case i need it for that situation yeah, i know my mind like actually i think it hurt me last year so well you know, it it's, hurt it's a weird chip yeah maybe just never use it i think that might be fine all right, Brendan. I think we've we've kept this just under two hours. Uh, well, that's not what the what our counter here says, but I think I think with breaks and pauses, we've kept it under two hours. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you for listening. Uh, Brandon, where where can people find us? You have to subscribe to Always Cheating just so you never miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. If you would be so kind, leave us a positive review on iTunes. It definitely helps us out. And you can also follow us on Twitter, at Hail Cheaters, where uh, we're, we're taking your questions, we're tweeting uh, our insights or lack thereof, and also Facebook.com slash Always Cheating. We also have a really cool website. That's true. That's true. And uh, yeah, so talk about how web- cool. The, talk about how cool the website is. <laughs> I, the website is great. It's alwayscheating.com. Uh, we sometimes have content on there, but we always have podcasts on there. Uh, and you can find the league code there. And uh, we've been sharing a little bit of content on there too, which is which has been nice. We have a, a beginner's guide to FPL that uh, that a, um, a a website the the a guide to uh, F- Premier League betting, right? A so guide was- to matched betting, and uh, that it was. It's a great graphic done by one of our listeners, Luke Thorne, and uh, he uh, nicely uh, wanted to share it with our listeners and, and other FPL players. So it's up on our website, alwayscheating.com. You got it. So uh, we'll be back next week with Manchester United through West Ham. Uh, I'm going to go uh, drink some water with honey. I think Brandon <laughs> rest rest my throat for a week. All right, that sounds good. I'll see you in a week, Josh, and I'll talk to you guys all soon. Hail cheaters. Hail cheaters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.